Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great mercy and your love and kindness to us tonight. We thank you for our brothers and sisters leading us to the throne of grace to sing praise to your name. Goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life. And we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Hallelujah. As Jeremiah says to us here tonight, so I say to you, Lord, your loving kindnesses indeed never cease. And your compassions, they never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. So we come tonight, Lord, we, we, we seek your face. We seek a relationship with you that's deeper, stronger, and better than even the one we have right now. We thank you for your patience and your goodness to us as we've just said loving kindness compassion faithfulness you are our portion Lord Jesus Christ Son of God Savior Lord you are our portion help us not turn away Lord from the miseries of the world and may we see them and may they stir our hearts may they give us compassion like the Lord Jesus when he saw the crowds he was grieved with their condition help us to be a church with a heart that grieves for the unrepentant sinner and those suffering believers all around us the misery is everywhere and yet the grace of God is available through the Lord Jesus Christ the love of God is greater than all the misery of the world. We pray for foster children, orphan children in the state of Tennessee. We do pray that by your own divine direction, those you've put in charge of these things in the government would find this, this a priority more than other things, more than business development, more than arranging their committees. May they, may they be led by the Holy Spirit of God to say this is something we must deal with. And help us as a church and the other churches to do what we must do to help. Call out foster families and others of us who can help however we can. We know you'll show us how as a church. But we plead the cause of the orphan tonight. And we pray that you might give us wisdom and grace as we consider what we can do and as we pray for our elected officials to do their job. So Heavenly Father, we, we all come tonight with our own griefs and you know, us, you know us and you know our condition. You know the various kinds of struggles and sorrows and sufferings and afflictions that go on in the lives of all of our people in this church. We rejoice regardless of what we go through, but... Help us to understand and help us to see uh, how you're in our sufferings and our troubles. We don't always understand it. 
Forgive us when we complain about it. Forgive us when we don't practice what Jeremiah does here of grieving and lamenting in a holy way. Help us to be like him. Help us to understand better tonight what Jeremiah says to us about what we would call Christian suffering, holy suffering. Suffering is holy people. We know there's suffering among the wicked. They have no remedy. They have no relief unless they call upon the Lord Jesus. We know there's suffering among the wicked. How sad the suffering of the wicked. But may we see the suffering as Christians we have and may we understand it as best we can and trust you with what we do not understand. And we thank you for this wonderful time in your word. These days are always precious. They don't last like everything else they passed in time. So may we enjoy these times together in your word and may we, may we treasure them in our heart and may we learn from them tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Good to see all of you tonight. If you have your Bibles, find your place again in Lamentations chapter 3. And the outlines are available to you uh, both at the back and there are some here at the front. We continue this, uh, this journey we have through Lamentations 3. I'm calling these things uh, God in our suffering. And so tonight we continue. We look tonight at especially at verses beginning. And I'm going to go back and read uh, again as I read and quoted in the prayer uh, to the Lord just now, but I want us to catch this all together, and we'll read through verse number 30, Lamentations chapter 3. But before I do that, so again, let me say this to you. I said this to the pastors today, I would say it to all of you. You know, it's important for us, in order to keep your heart tender, you have to see things that will break your heart. You have to force yourself. This is, this is, this is what uh, the American culture says, turn away from it, ignore it, let somebody else deal with it. Don't act like it's real. It'll go away. But you have to find something that touches your heart. The Lord Jesus saw the sufferings of people and his heart was touched. I'm asking you tonight as a believer in Jesus Christ, what touches your heart? What grieves you? What burdens you? What gives you holy sorrow? Well, I'll read it to you. I've decided I want to read this before we do. Why all of this talk about suffering? Well, let's look at one example. Lamentations 2.11 and following. My eyes fail because of tears. My spirit is greatly troubled. My heart is poured out on the earth because of the destruction of the daughter of my people. Notice, not me, but them. Not me, them. The destruction of the daughter, the destruction of God's people. So here's an example. When little ones and infants faint in the streets of the city, they say to their mothers, where's, where's grain and wine? As they faint like a wounded man in the streets of the city, as their life is poured out on their mother's bosoms. Is that enough? Should I read more? This is what Jeremiah saw. This is what a holy man's, oh, Lord, give me a way of escape. I, I've, been, I've been faithful. I've preached to these people and they didn't hear anything I had to say. Let me get out of here. No, Jeremiah. The Lord says, you're staying to the very end. You're going to see all of this with your eyes. The utter judgment of God on the nation of Israel. There are many lessons in the book of Jeremiah. 
And there are tremendous lessons for us in Lamentations, in these holy laments of this man of God. He cries because of the destruction of the people, not for himself. And I ask you tonight, Brother Levi read it, put on compassion, put it on, put it on. This is what we must be as God's people in this part of the world. Now we read as uh, Jeremiah continues his holy soliloquy, speaking to himself, talking to himself about good spiritual things. Uh, 22, 3.22, The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, my soul says, I have hope in Him. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the person who seeks Him. Now we come, we looked at that last week in verse 25. Now, it is good that he waits silently for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he should bear the yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone and be silent since he has laid it on him. Let him put his mouth in the dust, perhaps there is hope. Let him give his cheek to the smiter. Let him be filled with reproach. So now we see here, the focal truth that I'm going to focus around is this, that good comes in suffering to those who wait and seek God. Good comes in suffering to those who wait and seek God. There is the general goodness of God. We talked about it last week in verse 25. The Lord is good. Yes, God is good. He's good all the time. And He, he is good. He sends the rain on the just and the unjust as our Lord taught us. But the general goodness of God over creation and over mankind in general is not the goodness of God given to those who will wait for Him and seek Him. This is a description of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. This is what it means to be a person who lives by faith. And so good, God's goodness comes in suffering comes in suffering to those who wait and seek God. Number one, the Lord is always good to those who wait and seek Him. He's always good. This is what we see, His faithfulness. He is always good. He is always loving. He is always compassionate. Uh, he is great in His faithfulness. He always is available to us. So I gave you this reminder, expectant, you know, this whole thing of hope, Hope is a word that means expectant waiting. It's not a waiting perhaps that will happen. It is, this is going to happen. I just don't know when. So number one there, expectant waiting on God in our, in our suffering is an act of faith in God. When you are in the deepest of the deeps in your suffering, when there is hope in your life, what it does is it acts as that it, it acts as that ability to keep you afloat in the depths, expectantly waiting on God in your suffering. It's an act of faith in God. And diligently seeking God in our suffering is an act of faith. Does your, does your pain cause you to stop praying? 
Does your pain and your affliction cause you to blame God? To refuse to read the Word of God? To refuse to worship and meet with God's people? Well, you must decide. Everyone determines how they will respond when suffering comes. You don't know how it will come. You don't know when it will come, but it will come. Some of you in this room are in it now. Others of you listening to us online, may the Lord bless you. We're glad you always join us. And you're in the midst of it too. So here we are in the world filled with tribulations and it comes in all the seasons of our life. What I could not have imagined would happen when I was a young man in troubles comes in ways as an older man. There's no way to determine this. So the Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the person who seeks Him. That's a message to all of us in our sufferings. Now, I give you this because it's such an encouragement to me. In my own time in the Psalms this week, it was wonderfully good to read again. And and for the sake of time, I've just printed these for you. It's easier for Psalm 40, verses 1 through 3. I waited patiently for the Lord. Oh, look at this. This is for you tonight, perhaps. I waited. Here's a testimony of the man of God, David. I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined to me and heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay, and He set my feet upon a a rock, making my footsteps firm. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. There is goodness that comes because when we wait patiently for the Lord, guess what He does? He does these wonderful things and He gives us the strength and in our life we become an example for others of the great glory of God and His mercy and His love and His kindness. And then what did our Lord teach us in Matthew 6? He said it is our first priority as a disciple. I'm asking you tonight. Again, I'm not here to give you a theory lesson. I'm not here just to give you Bible talk. I'm challenging you about your own soul and where you're living in relationship to God tonight. I'm asking you this. Are you seeking first the kingdom of God in all of your ways, in all of your deeds? And are you seeking first His righteousness, which comes through a a growing relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Seek first. This is our priority. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him and to the person who seeks Him. So we seek His kingdom, His reign in our life. We seek His kingdom, the rule of the Lord Jesus in us. We call Him Lord, ruler of our life. He controls our life. He is our Lord and His righteousness gives us the ability to live rightly in relationship to Him and to other people. All these other things in life come when we put the priority on seeking first His reign, His rule, and His righteousness in our lives. So that's a repetition from last week. If you didn't uh, have the opportunity to hear what we talked about last Wednesday night, I encourage you, uh, if you have friends who are struggling and suffering, perhaps what we're talking about on Wednesday nights here will be good for them. Tell them to to, uh, look at our podcast or whatever else they're Wherever they are, I'm not a technical, I have no idea. Wherever they are, you can send them to wherever and they can find them. But now we come to these very interesting words. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him. But then we see the word good used two more times. 
The Lord is good to those who wait for Him and to the person who seeks Him. It is good now. Now there is a declaration of what is good about suffering and the goodness of God to those who wait on Him and seek Him in their suffering. It is good that He waits silently for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he should bear the yoke in his youth. And then there are four uh, positions of, I would call them so, posture. How's the, how is this good for us? What is our posture to be as we wait on God in our sufferings? What are we to do? What's our posture? How do we, how do we behave ourselves, live? And that's where you see the word let, L-E-T. Verse 28, let him. Verse 29, let him. Verse 30, let him. And again in 30, let him. So this is the way we'll look at this. And we discover these uh, additional principles about what is the goodness of, of uh, what is the goodness of God that comes in our suffering as those who wait and seek God. You see, Jeremiah uh, models for us what I would call holy suffering from an Old Testament perspective, but it actually is what Peter calls suffering as a Christian for us who are followers of Jesus. Not everyone suffers as a Christian. You know, as Peter says in his famous section on this, uh, don't, let us, don't, don't let us suffer as criminals. Don't let us suffer for sin. As suffering for sin is a consequence of our sinfulness. We deserve it, obviously, because we've sinned. But when we suffer as a Christian, that's another matter. We suffer in righteousness. What did our Lord say? We studied it together. Blessed are those who are persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So tonight, let's look at these, these, uh, these two statements of good in suffering, and then let's look at the posture we're to have. Uh, I don't know a better word. Um, as, we, as we live through our sufferings, it is good to wait patiently for God in our sufferings. It is good that he, so notice, the man who is waiting for God and seeking God, verse 25, it is good for him, he, that man, that woman, to wait silently for the salvation of the Lord. Now it's a silent waiting. Patient waiting for God is a resting without worry in our suffering. This is a great challenge for all of us because we're not, we are designed, you know, so, so what is it, my friends, what is it that terrorizes those without Christ and their suffering? It is the dread, the fear, the anxiety, the worry, the torture in their minds. This torture in their minds and their suffering causes them to want to drink away their pain, drug away their pain, pursue possessions, greed away their pain. You can pick whatever you want. But it is a means to somehow silence this, this pain they have in their life. C.S. Lewis's way of saying it is, pain is God's megaphone. Yes, it is. Pain is God's megaphone. To the lost it is, you will never find your way to peace on your own. And to the Christian it is, I am with you 
even in your greatest suffering. It is good that he waits silently for the salvation of the Lord. So I give you this wonderful verse in uh, these verses in Psalm 37. And I want to expand for just a moment on the process of patiently waiting in our troubles. I think we need this. I'm trying to be your pastor in this. So you say, Pastor Mike, so the idea is wait patiently. So what does that look like? Well, that's what I want to try to take a few moments and elaborate for you here. And that's what I've given you under this number two uh, point. But first, Psalm 37. If you don't know Psalm 37, you, it's another trick. Oh, what do we say about the Psalms? I've said it to this church. I, I taught for three years in this church through the Psalms. We've talked and looked at Psalm 119 together. I don't even know how many years that took. You wonder how many gray hairs I've got on my head. It's because of all the, I don't even know how many years we've done some of this. And I'm grateful for it all. Psalm 37. The psalm, I've said it to you. When you don't know how to pray, find your psalm and pray the psalm. Just pray the words. Here we have it. Listen to me, my brothers and sisters. Trust in the Lord and do good. Now this is when you're in your trouble. See, apparently this, this Psalm of David, David's already fretting evildoers. See, he's got trouble in Psalm 37.1. Don't fret because of evil. Don't fret because of evildoers. Do not be envious toward wrongdoers. Oh, Pastor Mike, the world, the world. Yes, my friend, the world, the world. It's wicked. It's godless. Why do we expect lost people to act saved? They're not saved. They act out of their nature. They're impulsive and wicked and godless, just as we were before we knew Christ. Do not fret because of evildoers. He's already in trouble. He's afflicted. For they will quickly wither like the grass and fade like the green herb. Now, to you in trouble, to David says now, to us in trouble, trust in the Lord and what? Do good in my suffering. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him and He will do it. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret because of Him who prospers in His way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. Cease from anger, forsake wrath, do not fret. Third time He said that. It leads only to evil doing. So we see here these words. Some of them are very familiar to some of you. Trust calmly in God in your troubles. So Pastor Mike, what's the, how do I, how, do, how is it good for me to wait silently? Well, this wonderful word silent is a great word. It's sometimes used for silence, for rest, for even the word calmness. Trust calmly. It's sometimes used in relation to faith in the Old Testament. Trust calmly in God in your troubles. You see, this can only be done by the help of the Holy Spirit. We generally find ourselves in troubles and we panic. We dread, we fear. Our minds are triggered. 
trust calmly. So I say to all of you tonight, I say to those of you, if you have a friend, you say to them, and they can, and troubles are real. They're not invented. They're hard. They're difficult. Loss and pain and rejection and whatever we want to pick, abuse and all the rest, neglect, trust calmly in God in your troubles. Here's the, here's the process. Psalm 37 gives it to us. Trust calmly in God in your troubles. Remain faithful to God in your troubles. That is, I will continue to pray. I will continue to meet God. I will continue to seek His face. I will continue to glorify God and praise Him. Even if I'm laying in the bed and I can't get out of it, even if I've lost everything else, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. As that patient man Job said after he'd lost everything. Remain faithful to God. I have met some who said, well, God has been, God should have been cruel. God has been hard on me. God should never have let this happen. As one man who was a songwriter, Christian songwriter, and he's decided now he's not a Christian uh, because there's such injustice in the world. My friend, did you not know that before you got saved? So he just leaves. That's it. Will, you, will your pain and your trouble drive you closer to God or away from God? Well, we see examples of it all around us. We see examples of it in this church. And then delight yourself in the Lord in your troubles. Everyone loves this verse because then we get to do what we do as self-serving American Christians. We get to quote the second part. And He shall give you the desires of your heart. You know what really is important in patiently waiting? Not getting the desires of your heart, but delighting in God. Oh, this is it, my friends. This is what I'm appealing to the church to do on Sunday mornings when the Lord says, go to your secret place. Go there and trust calmly in the Lord before your heavenly Father. Remain faithful. Keep going. Go to the closet. Go, go. Keep going. Keep seeking. And delight yourself in the Lord. Delight. This Hebrew word is a word to me. Joy. Joy in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Do you know how to delight in the Lord? Do you practice delighting in the Lord? This is part of patiently waiting. Pastor Mike, what am I going to do in my trouble? I'm glad you ask. Trust calmly in God. Remain faithful and delight in the Lord. Oh, I've got so much pain in my life. All I can think about are the terrible things. That's why you must delight in the Lord. You must change your mind. You must go to the things that don't change. Great is His faithfulness. They are new every morning, His compassions, His loving kindness. This I recall and I have hope. The Lord is my portion. Delight yourself in the Lord. We delight in our children and our grandchildren. We delight in the things we love. We delight, delight in His presence. Delight in His love. Delight in His mercy. Delight in His salvation. Delight in His faithfulness. Delight in His goodness. Delight in His power. 
Again, I'm just, this is a short list, but I, I appeal to you. When you go with your friend and they're in their suffering, so begin to talk about let's delight in the Lord for a moment. Let's, let's uh, commit our way to the Lord in our troubles. This is the next part of Psalm 37. Commit your way to the Lord. This is how we wait patiently and we rest quietly. We be still. We be still. Oh, so many of us have souls. You know, I've got an older grandson, and I got a six, eight, seven, eight year old granddaughter, and now I got this three year old. Many of us in our souls are just like a three year old. Have you all been around any lately? I'm so worn out right now, I'm about to fall out on the ground. Inside of you, just like a three-year-old. Rest quietly. And what do you tell three-year-olds, though they don't obey? Be quiet. And you must say to your soul, in your trouble, be quiet. Rest quietly in the Lord in your troubles. And do not fret. Psalm 94, 19. When my anxious thoughts multiply within me, and, and I'm, there's not one person in here, though you manly men in here, it's not me, you're lying. It's everybody in this room. It's everybody who listens to the sound of my voice. When my anxious thoughts multiply within me. Oh, you know what those are like? You know what those days are like? Your consolations, your encouragements is the Hebrew way of saying, your encouragement delights my soul. What a statement. What a testimony. So good comes in our suffering as we wait patiently for God in our suffering. It is good to endure in our suffering. We hear this a lot. We talk about it a lot. But notice it is good. Secondly, for a man that he should, man or woman, to, to, to bear the yoke in his youth. Look, suffering is a yoke. Suffering is a yoke. Though we've moved beyond much yoking of animals anymore, okay. Uh, I was thinking today. We're out in this farm community. Most of you are farm knowledgeable to a degree. Suffering is a three-way hitch on a tractor. You see, it, it holds things in place. It's a yoke. It uh, limits movement. It controls direction. And it weighs you down. That's what suffering is. If I didn't have all, the, the man said to me, if I didn't have all these sufferings in my life, I would be a good Christian. You would, really? So you'd be a good Christian if you don't suffer. It's quite an interesting way to look at the Christian life. I can't pray like I should because of this, and we repeat this. See, see, suffering is the yoke. 
It is good. It is good to bear the yoke. This is God's way. Mike, you have a yoke. You will have yokes. Or I call your name. You will have yokes. And the Lord says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. The Lord has a yoke. We yoke up with the Lord Jesus in our sufferings. In the yoke of our sufferings. He joins us. He doesn't abandon us. He does not leave us. The blessed Holy Spirit who is in us comes to our aid and helps us and provides us. You see, Christian endurance is a grace needed for the yoke of suffering. I just quote the Lord Jesus' words here as he's concluding some comments, Luke 21, 19. By endurance, you will gain your lives. And of course, the famous ones, Hebrews 10, 36. This is for all of us tonight. Okay, you say, Pastor Mike, I got a whole page of sufferings. I got, I'm, look at these yokes. Yes, they're hard, they're heavy, they're limiting you. They're slowing you down. They're keeping you from what you think you ought to do and where you ought to go. But you have need of endurance. You see, when Paul talks to us in Hebrews 10 about the discipline of the Lord, the discipline of the Lord is for good. It is to make us more like Him. It's to... These, these disciplines, using sufferings in our lives, produces holiness in our lives. For you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you do the will of God in your suffering while you're enduring. This is what we do the will of God. You may receive what was promised. And of course, James, what do we say? Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. This is the test. The fire is on. It's hot. It's hard. Or the yoke is heavy. Whatever illustration you want to use. The scriptures give us many. But it is good to bear the yoke in your youth. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result, please notice so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Why do I have to bear the yoke in my youth? Why not give it to me when I'm old, when I'm of no value anymore, when they might as well just roll me over into the grave? Because the sooner we learn, the sooner we learn the goodness of suffering and the yoke of suffering in our youth, the more, the more we will grow in the grace of God. Now, it is good that he would wait silently. It is good for a man that he should bear, carry, the yoke, be yoked in his suffering in his youth. And then we have these four statements. Let him, uh, let him. Let him sit alone and be silent since he has laid it on him. What has he laid on him? The yoke of suffering. Suffering is personally experienced. You'll never know my sufferings and I'll never know yours. But we all have them commonly together. That's why... 
Paul teaches us as a church, weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. We, tonight we have many who are rejoicing, and we must rejoice. And at the same time, we must weep. Suffering is personally experienced. Suffering is personally understood. You see, these are very important things. This is what he means here by let him sit alone. This is what you have been given. You alone must bear the yoke of suffering you're given by God. You must bear it. And someone will say, see, this is our challenge. We look to someone else and say, why are they not? And I, this is not our point. This is, no, it is good to bear the yoke in your youth. So then again, notice the language. Let him sit alone and be silent since he, uppercase, capital H, God has laid the yoke on him. We'll never understand Christian suffering, but it's individual. And, it's an ex and there is this need for us as Christians to individually accept the personal sufferings of God as his will. That's why 1 Thessalonians 5.18 is repeatedly given to all of us, and we quote it here. In everything give thanks, and everything's not good. In everything give thanks for this, this everything, these everythings, these are the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Think about it tonight. We have, we have missionaries who labor with so few resources who barely make it through day to day, who seek to do their jobs in hostile environments for the sake of the gospel, but they have what they need. They're yoked in suffering and they're, sometimes there's pain and struggles. They're doing their missionary work in far, long, far away in other places, a long ways away from where they are. There's family issues in their life and their families and they're still trying to do their work and God's called them there. Suffering is personally experienced. You sit alone. You only know the extent of your pain. You only understand the yoke of suffering you're given. And James 1, 2, consider it joy when you encounter trials. Why? Because this is for you and I from God. You see, we don't want this teaching. We want health and wealth and happiness and all is good and we're just going to be flush with cash and, you know, everything's just going to be blue sky. It's a blue sky thing. Blue sky gospel. I don't know how that worked because you don't see it in the life of the Lord Jesus, nor do you see it in the apostles, nor in the early church, nor through the histories of the Christian church. In great suffering, under the yoke of suffering God places upon His people, the gospel advances all over the world. Christian suffering individually lives on God's Word and prays to God for help. I gave you from Jeremiah here. This is quite an interesting... This is where Jeremiah early was, was struggling. He was struggling with the fact that he was seeking to be a holy man among holy people, unholy people. And yet, I want you to read it with me. Notice, your words were found and I ate them. And your words became for me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I have been called by your name, O Yahweh, God of hosts. Notice this matter of alone. 
I do not sit in the circle of merrymakers, nor did I exalt because of your hand upon me, I sat alone. Because of your hand upon me, I sat alone. For you filled me with indignation. Why has my pain been perpetual and my wound incurable, refusing to be healed? Will you indeed, indeed be to me a deceptive stream with water that is unreliable? And the next verse says, Thus says the Lord, If you return, if you repent, if you come to me, if you seek me, if you draw near to me, I will restore you. You may never get rid of your physical pain, but when you draw near to God in your sufferings, in your perhaps incurable condition physically, you can be restored to health in your soul. And that's what matters at the end. When your body is finally, our tents are folded up because they're worn out and of no value. It is good to humble ourselves in our suffering. Let him, let him put his mouth in the dust. Perhaps there is hope. I'm going to use instead of humble yourself, I'm going to use self-humiliation as the phrase. American Christians don't like self-humiliation. But you see, suffering produces self-humiliation. Suffering humbles us. We're not in charge. We can't control it. We've got a yoke on us. We're limited. We can't move around. We can't do what we want. Yes. This is why the Lord in His sovereign, glorious, loving way says, this is for you, Mike. This is for you, Betty. This is for you, Sally, whoever. Humble yourselves under, in the presence of the Lord, James 4. Humble yourselves under the... You see, when I'm proud and arrogant, I'm priding myself before God. When I humble, you see, I have a duty. There is an act called self-humiliation. Some happy talk preachers don't like this either because we have to say happy thoughts to ourselves. No, we actually have to recognize that the pain that comes in our life is brought about to strip us, as I've given you the next statement, to strip us of ourselves. The Lord Jesus said, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Denying yourself is stripping yourself of yourself and taking on the new self that is made in conformity to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ when you're saved. And Christian suffering kills sin. This is one of those head-scratcher verses, but you know it to be true when you're suffering. Since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. You see, Christian self-humiliation produces hope in God. He will exalt you at the proper time. In His own purposes, in His own timing, in His own will, in His own ways, because see, it is His will and His way and His purposes, not mine. This is what suffering does. It strips us 
of this self-throne, this, this reign of self, and turns us to the one who has put it on us so that we might... This is good that comes. This is the good of suffering. It strips us of ourself. And then it is good to surrender in our suffering. The two phrases go together. Let him give his cheek to the smiter. Let him be filled with reproach. That is, the smiter be filled with reproach. In other words, let him just, let the smiter. So now we think of suffering as us being, receiving blows, being hit. That's what suffering is like. It's not only like a yoke, it's like being hit. It brings us to our knees. It devastates us. It overwhelms us. Christian suffering surrenders to the blows of suffering. What did the Lord say? I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, a blow. Bless those who curse you, a blow. Pray for those who mistreat you, a blow. Whoever hits you on the cheek, a literal blow to the face after offering the other one. Whoever takes away your coat, takes your property, takes what doesn't belong to them. Do not withhold your shirt from him either. Give to him who asks you. And whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. Let him give his cheek to the smiter. So we give our cheeks to suffering. Lord, if this is what you want, I will rejoice in this great and deep suffering. And then, as we close, what does, our, what does our friend Peter say to us about this glorious thing? This is where I point you as we finish now. At the end, we're done. Christians suffer in their sufferings like Christ in His sufferings. This is what conformity is, being made to conform to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. In His sufferings, He suffered. For you have been called for this purpose since Christ also. You have been called believer in Christ. It doesn't say, as this uh, heretical preaching would say, some, no, you, all believers, have been called for this purpose. Since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in His steps, steps of suffering, who committed no sin. Here's the example. He didn't commit sin while he was suffering, nor was there deceit found in his mouth while he suffered. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, while suffering, he uttered no threats. Here it is. But kept waiting on God. He kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. You see, my friends, Jeremiah is teaching us here the good in suffering. The greatest good in suffering is it conforms us to Jesus Christ. How, what will happen, what is the best thing for us in our witness to our friends and neighbors when they see us in deep suffering, they see us like Christ. No greater witness than that. That's why we read at the very beginning that people will see when we've waited on the Lord and He's done what He's done for us, they will see and fear and trust in the Lord.
Well, what do we read tonight? It is good that he waits patiently, silently for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he should bear the yoke in his youth. To the praise of the glory of his grace. The Lord is near to the door, my brothers and sisters, so we pray, come Lord Jesus. May the Lord bless you. There is good in your sufferings tonight. Don't hang your head. Don't go away in misery. Wait patiently for the Lord. Endure in your suffering. Accept it. Humble yourself in it. And surrender to it. Take it. Take it. What did, what did uh, the Lord do? He drank the cup, didn't He? He drank the cup of great suffering so that we might be saved. Hallelujah. Now, Heavenly Father, here we are. We are at times such troubled, worried, anxious people. May we be like the man of God, the holy man of God in the Psalms, who when bad news came, he was not troubled because his trust was in the Lord. May that be true of the men and women in this room. May it be true of our church. May we truly learn the good, the goodness of God and the good things you give us in our sufferings so that we might truly, faithfully follow you and share the gospel with urgency in these days in which we live. May your grace and love come upon those who are among us, even tonight who have deep struggles and suffering. May they sense and know your closeness, your love, and your care for them. And for the many others that are friends and neighbors who are in deep struggles, may we point them to Jesus tonight. And we thank you for this time in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Say hello to somebody on your way out if you don't know them. Lord willing, be back with us Sunday as the Lord teaches us to pray. God bless you. Have a great week.